Welcome back to Digineer Presents Organizational Change in Today's World, a multi-part series to help ground organizational change experiences amidst the immediate and chaotic change that we are all facing. In today's episode, we'll be talking about organizational change and how we redirect that change to reflect the new realities that we're facing. Here with me today are Carol Fletcher, Gus Broman, and Stu Bailey, Senior Management Consultants at Digineer, who have extensive experience and focus on leading organizational change. Carol, Gus, and Stu, thank you for being here. Can you uh, take 30 seconds and tell us a little bit more about yourselves? Yeah, thank you, Shannon. This is uh, Gus Broman. I've been at Digineer uh, just over nine years. I've been a, a communication change management consultant that entire time. I've uh, been at healthcare organizations, pharmaceutical benefits managers, and uh, actually industrial cleaning supply companies as well. So um, appreciate the time, and I'm excited that uh, I get to share this time with my colleagues, Stu Bailey and Carol. Stu. Thanks, Gus. I'm Stu Bailey. I'm a senior consultant and team lead with Digineer, and I have 30 years plus of project management experience and learned early on, probably about 20 years ago, the importance of organizational change management as it applies to the projects that I manage. And I enjoy working at Digineer and all the smart people there uh, and Gus Roman. And <laughs> with that, uh, I'd like to introduce, pass it on to Carol Fletcher. Thanks, Stu. Uh, hi, I'm Carol Fletcher. I uh, am a management consultant with Digineer as well, focusing on organizational change management. I've been doing OCM, organizational change management, for over 15 years now, and over 10 of those years have been with Digineer, working with different clients in healthcare, in finance, um, in uh, other areas of Digineer, um, in our client base that we'll start over, um, that really have been focused on change management and managing the change on the business side. So we have just a few years of experience on the call today, <laughs> but we've been working through organizational change management and these four phases of leading in disruptive crisis. It's, it's a new take on organizational change during this time. And in our last episode, we discussed how to react and respond, which is different than the traditional approach of trying to plan way ahead of a change. Today, we're going to pivot into how we start to redirect, to reflect the reality of what that change might be going through. So Carol, you seem to be our resident expert on this topic. And as you've been working through these four stages, can you bring us up to speed on the basic concepts surrounding redirection to reflect this new reality of change? Yeah, thank you, Shannon. I think it really focuses on working in a very disruptive crisis. So we've seen that happen with COVID, where 
Instead of having change come from the top down, where management and upper executives know kind of what they want to do and they roll change out in more of a planful manner, the entire world really was hit with this um, this big change all at once. And so we've had to kind of look at how do we handle change in a crisis versus change in an environment where we can plan ahead. Um, and really the, the concept is really looking at initially how do you react and respond because a lot of times there's not time for planning. You just need to react. You need to figure out how to get your work staff um, in a remote situation. You need to make sure you've got the things you need to build on that. Um, and so that's kind of what we focused on the last couple of sessions. And as we're looking into um, redirecting to new realities, I think we kind of enter a little bit more of a focused uh, awareness of what's happening from a change management perspective. Awesome. So now opening it up to the three of you, um, how have you been able to level set with this idea of re redirection? Level setting with new sets of expectations or as expect expectations have constantly been changing? Well, I think about the project that Stu and I worked on together. We were working in a, uh, in a medical laboratory and uh, people were getting reports coming off the printer and they believe you're sweet you're still using a printer yeah exactly <laughs> well and it's funny because like they did not have an online tool that actually could tell them you know what the reports were and it would automatically print off the printer and they believe that is gospel truth because that's what they did for the last 25 years and candidly that was the best information that they had at the time and Stu and I were uh, brought in to, to help pivot to do some online reporting. And guess what? The online reporting was actually more accurate than the report that they got off the printer. But we had to convince them somehow. And so it reminds me of first grade math with Miss Timmerman. And this is kind of how I got through math all the way through grad school. If you got to show your work, you got partial credit, and that's how I got through. So we had to show our work as to how do you measure turnaround time for these reports? Because the printout that they had was completely true. So we had to show that this new report was actually more up to date than the one that they had on their printer. And it didn't take weeks, it probably took months and then we had to start defining the terms. What is a turnaround time? Some parts of the lab said the turnaround time was when their customer shipped it to them. Other parts of the lab said, no, it's when they got in the front door. Other parts of the lab said, nope, it's when it enters our lab. And so there was just a whole lot of work to do on the change management front to even define what is a turnaround time for a lab report. Right, our, our business analysts were actually the ones that were quite busy and feeding us the information uh, while feeding you as part of the OCM team, information to then feed up to the steering committee and keep them informed on the status of the project over the first six months. And then all of a sudden we had a shift in 
<laughs> and scope. And myself as a project manager just loved scope changes. Uh, this was literally an entire platform change. Right, right. I remember being in these little huddle rooms with you saying, okay, if we delay this, how are we going to put this out a month? How are we going to put this out two months? And then, uh, and then we had this epiphany where all of a sudden it's like, I don't think they, they're they using the right software tool. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we found uh, just by happenstance, really, uh, our, our technical architect on the team discovered that it was uh, actually uh, a tool that the vendor we were working with had repurposed or and, uh, they were rewriting part of it. Right, right. Just added their little skin on it, put their logo on it, charge us for it, and said, hey, this is the tool that you're using. And instead of using an off-the-shelf product, we're using a branded product that was less flexible and had less functionality than the more common tool, if you will, right? And essentially going to the common tool was a big benefit to us. Uh, We were able to utilize that that other vendor for training and for communication and documentation. So yeah. in the end, it, it, it worked out well for us and the client. But talk about some of the steps we have to take to, to go back and, uh, and realign all the users with the new approach. Right. Well, actually, yeah, you we jumped ahead way far ahead. So when our technical architect said, hey, I think they're just adding a skin and a logo on a common solution, we actually went to the steering committee and said, we need a two-week pause to analyze this, to look at the pros and the cons, explain to you why we think you might get more functionality, why we think this might cost you less, why we think we might be building for the future, and... That was actually a uh, big step for us to take, Stu, right? I mean, it was that the first time in your career that you said, uh, sorry, you're going with the wrong tool. You're going to have to pause and we'll come back in a little bit. It was, it was a pivotal moment, I'll say. I remember looking back at my deliverables dashboard. I remember keeping track of it. Right. One of the yes. items on there was, uh, was a Word document that included the timeline of events and our comparison matrix, risks, and next steps. And we had to present that to the director to convince him this was the way to go, right? Right, right, exactly. And so we took two weeks, analyzed it, and uh, it really wasn't our decision, but it was incumbent upon us to say, hey, this monumental change, and not necessarily calling their baby ugly, but when we had to make this much (laughs) of a change and change the train on the tracks about three tracks while stopping the train was a pretty was one of the largest changes i've ever made you know in my career that kind of went in the face of the client right yeah absolutely absolutely and as consultants we we make a lot of recommendations for change (laughs) a lot of times we get turned down Right, right. Yeah, it was. And, and you know, because the the data and the facts really stood, you know, whether it was the time, the money, 
the uh, the tool itself I mean everything changed and also there's a lot of clients that I've had in my career that weren't willing to walk away with that amount of investment um, but thankfully we had a client that didn't view it as we're walking away from this amount of our investment or an opportunity cost as they say in an econ school but what it was was it will cost us more to maintain this private label application going forward than it would to to utilize this common tool so i was actually quite proud of our client as well for making the hard decision so what i hear you saying is that amidst this monumental change as you called it there was a, a number of things that were uncovered right we're we're consultants so we're we're severely curious beings and we're digging up and uncovering other changes that needed to be addressed amidst that change while things were changing as the change was happening so you constantly had to be pivoting and being nimble but what carried you through was your ability to provide transparency, to renegotiate, uh, you know, timelines to make sure you had the time to properly evaluate things and then bring things to the table so that they could make decisions and move forward with these things. Um, it sounds like you were doing a really good job of gaining buy-in and constantly gaining buy-in with each of these layers you were uncovering. Uh, so I think that's... That's incredible. Well, and I think it, I think it really brings kind of to the forefront the awareness around there was a need. We found that the tool that, that they were using at the time was not fulfilling that need. And instead of going out and looking for a brand new tool to bring into the organization, you took the time to really assess what the organization had and how you could leverage that to the best of its ability to provide a solution that worked for them. And so from a client perspective, that's very attractive to be able to leverage something I have versus having to jump through the hoops to bring new technology in. I was just going to add with, you know, I've said this many times before, I didn't I remember when I heard it the first time, it said, without change, nothing changes, change is constant. So in, in the world of project management and organizational change management, that's what we do. We're always keeping an eye open for things that are changing, things that are moving, and making sure that we're managing this. Can we put that paragraph on a t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, that'd be a big bumper sticker. <laughs> uh, so what other experiences have you had surrounding redirecting change to adapt when things veer from their original change plan, because that's what we're really talking about is you could have all the plans in place you want and you could do all the predictions and assessments, but when chaos hits, you know, things are jumbled. So what other experiences have you had where you've had to really redirect that change to reflect the current reality? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes I, I think we could probably talk about our, our wedding. Not our wedding, not you and I, but... <laughs> We both have we both have kids that got married this past year uh, during COVID during the pandemic, and that's a prime example in my opinion where the couple set off with big plans to have a big wedding, and then again had to shift 
I've had to, you know, probably upset a few people by reducing the death risk. Um, manage that change. Uh, in my son's case, they actually created uh, a live stream of the wedding for the people that were essentially uninvited and or couldn't make it or chose not to travel for the wedding. I think that's a that's a fine example of during this weird time of, of, of COVID and the pandemic, but having these you know, nice solid plans and having shift and change and, and communicate and, and help people through that, including themselves. Right. Yeah, that's a great personal example because I mean, my your son got married a little bit before my son and. You know, we didn't even know what the guest list was. And by the time the governor's restrictions came out, it was less than 60 people could be invited to a wedding. And you had two families and the people standing up and then and then it's like and no food. So the reception was to go. And my wife was was smart and said, no one wants used to be hot food. So we're going to give, you know, with our last name, Broman, she's like, we're going to give a bromantic to-go gift. And so we, we basically had dinner to-go so they could make it at home. So, uh, but yeah, just to really pivot and kind of change the expectations and, you know, and, and uh, you know, my son and uh, our great uh, daughter-in-law didn't want to delay it. They're like, no, this is when our wedding is and this is this is when it's going to take place so definitely a changing of expectations there yeah that was good insight Stu. yeah i will say the one thing change creates is a lot of creativity uh you cannot get through it unless you start to think outside your normal thought process and and get people kind of outside out of their rut to work in a different manner um right and and those are examples that just hit spot on with so many people right now right yeah, it's funny because we we put it online and just kind of posted it on social media, and we had seventeen hundred views. And I told my wife, I'm like, I'm so glad this wasn't a real wedding because <laughs> I don't know of anywhere would I didn't even know we knew seventeen hundred people. So, and then people felt so sorry for them not having a quote unquote normal wedding that they got all these gifts from people that we had no. Clue had no intentions of inviting to the wedding and now I'm all nervous for our second son if he ever gets married I'm like man we're not going to invite those hundred people that watched online (laughs) he's going to be disappointed yeah Yeah, no doubt (laughs) oh well, you know, you brought up a really good point, and Carol, you brought up this idea of mindset shifting. So as you're constantly being nimble, there's people like change leaders and change managers who are thinking about how do we constantly pivot and redirect. However, most of the groups we work with are not that nimble naturally. How are you actively working to help these people open up their mindsets a little bit more to be more nimble and accept that type of change? That's a great question because that is a challenge for a lot of companies and a lot of teams and a lot of individuals to change. Um, Part of it is really getting them involved in the change process. And I think we've talked about it a little bit. Um, in just the resources that you get or the people that you're working with on a change effort. 
Um, a lot of folks tend to shy away from the squeaky wheels, the people who are very vocal about the fact that maybe they're unhappy with a change or with something that's going on. They may be very knowledgeable in the organization, but they may be very reluctant to change. Um, and instead of pushing those types of people away, I like to actually pull them into the change process because the ones that are negatively vocal, when you get them on board and they understand why the change is happening and they're part of the process, they become very positively vocal. And that really helps other people, you know, kind of adopt the mindset of, well, if they could make this change, it must not be that tough for me to do it. Um, so that's just one of the techniques we look at. Another one is something I've called in the past commissioning, um, where we understand where we need to go and we understand we have a vision for that or a mission to get there, but other people don't understand it. And so I'll conduct sessions where I actually bring people in a room and we kind of brainstorm how to create a mission for this particular purpose. And you can ask leading questions that drive them towards a similar statement as the commissioning statement. And then when you roll that statement out, they feel like they've had a part of the process and they understand it better. And I always say people really adopt change better when they see their own fingerprints on it. And so getting them involved where they can say, oh, that communication came out, I helped with that, gives them ownership of the change. And that's a huge piece in making sure that you get their buy-in and their adoption. I know in the work that I'm doing right now, uh, I'm creating spaces for people to feel psychologically safe. And I know that's a popular word right now, but what that really means is you're providing spaces for people to come forward with their ideas, with their thoughts, with their reactions, and you're holding space for all these different diverse perspectives and reactions to really just be, not really react to them, not do anything with them, but really just allow them all to be present at the same time. You know, it, it, bleeds into diversity and inclusion talks, which now we know is a huge part of change. Uh, and so I'm finding that creating those spaces for people to feel psychologically safe is helping them shift mindsets to being more nimble and adaptive because they're not feeling attacked. And it's helping them open their minds and uh, to different, like you talked about, to different creative options and solutioning. Right. There's a huge part of change management that includes finding ways to very quickly build trust with those that you're working with. And as a consultant, you don't have necessarily years and years of experience with this team when you walk in the door. And part of um, my way, and I know everybody kind of has their own way of doing it, but part of my way of building that trust is to let them know that, you know, the things that we're talking about don't have to be shared globally. The concept can be, but nobody needs to throw you under the bus for this. So if you're angry, you can be angry here. This is a safe space to be angry. Or if you're frustrated, you can be frustrated here because it's not going anyplace else. And I'm not going to affect your next raise or your next career move. So if you need to get it out, let's talk about it. Because what I find is a lot of times in the frustration and the anger are some of the core things that we might have forgotten to focus on or we might not have looked at in such depth because we didn't understand the pain that was behind it. So true. So true, Carol. So as Digineer consultants, what is your 
favorite thing about Digineer and the team you work on? Well, I love any opportunity I get to work with other Digineer people because it's just, you, you walk in kind of with a camaraderie and an understanding. And even if you've never worked with that person before, you know you somebody there has your back. And I love walking into a team with other Digineer people because it's just... It's just such a fun place to be, and and we all kind of get that we can have fun while we get work done, but we can get a lot of serious work done, too. Yeah, I would echo that, Carol. I think anybody you talk to at Digineer is going to say it's for people. Uh, I would add it's the way we collaborate, too. It's not just mm-hmm. within accounts and within teams, but across the organization, across different accounts. Um, I've been involved in in a lot of different initiatives with this year, including equipment-based management. And um, I, I find it such a, a joy to work with, and I said it earlier, just working with really smart people, people that come from all sorts of different backgrounds and experiences, but all have that, we call it the secret sauce, right? Not hiring. They all have that, that, that mindset of, of looking beyond what's in front of them, uh, we're very creative in how we put together a solution in our thinking. So I, think that's, I think that's great. And I've always said, and towards the end of my career, this is, not, this is a place, this year is a place where I want to decide in time to yeah, I think one of the benefits of working at a consulting company like Digineer is that we've had experience and you know, have the help of going through different change programs. I mean, we we get brought in and our goal isn't to stay forever and to build a fiefdom and to have 132 direct reports. Our goal is to help manage a change, help our clients get through that change, and then move on to a different one. And I hear it at every one of my clients. I've been at 13 different clients since being at Digineer that, well, we're different. And it's true. It's just like God made all of us different as human beings. Every organization is completely different. But the more different things I see at different organizations, I'm able to help them manage the change differently. And that's the exact same thing with all the Digineer consultants that I'm working with. Yeah, I love working with all of you. It is incredibly fun And so rewarding when you walk into something that everyone else has given up on and you have this (laughs) team of people who come in and say, this is possible and we can do it and we do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So thank you, Carol, Gus, and Stu for your expertise and the great discussions today. As usual, I've taken a litany of notes today. Uh, And thank you to all of our listeners. Please be on the lookout for episode four in the Digineer Presents Organizational Change in today's World Series, where we will dive into how we rebound to the future and when when facing... Let me redo that. Thank you, Carol, Gus, and Stu for your expertise and the great discussion today. And thank you to all of our listeners Please be on the lookout for episode four in the Digineer Presents Organizational Change in today's world series, where we will dive into how we rebound to the future 
when faced with chaotic change. Be well and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Digineer Presents, brought to you by Digineer. Please be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and look for Digineer and all those social media platforms. We look forward to hearing from you.